Hey, everybody. I am Stephanie Goss, and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. So this week on the podcast, I am not joined by Dr. Andy Rourke, but in fact, I am joined by another person who I really enjoy having conversations with, and that is my friend Joe Axney from IT Guru. Now, we are going to nerd out. We're going to get kind of extra nerdy about information security and technology on this episode. It's a little bit different than our normal format, but I promise that I have a reason for wanting to have this conversation with you guys. I recently was a part of a conversation on a management forum about something that had nothing to do with what we're talking about here. But in the course of talking to this manager, they revealed something that their team was doing that is a common mistake that I see practices making all the time. And um, when I saw it, I thought, oh my gosh, this is a big, giant, flaming red flag. And this is something that more people need to know is a big problem and talk about. And so I sent Joe an email and I said, hey, I know that you see this all the time. I would love to jump on and have a conversation with you about this issue and more things that we need to do to educate ourselves on how to um, keep our clinics, our clients' information, our team's information safe from the outside in and from the inside out. So let's get into this one, shall we? And now, the Uncharted Podcast. Hey, everybody. It is Stephanie. And while I do not have my usual partner in crime, Andy Rourke, here with me this week, I am super excited to introduce you guys to one of my friends. Uh, I have been throwing around the idea of doing an episode like this with Joe for quite some time. And I'm super excited that Joe Axney from IT Guru is here with me today. Now, Joe and I met, gosh, uh, probably four or five years ago, I met you at BHMA. Joe was actually presenting at the annual BHMA conference. I think we might have been in New Orleans. And I will tell you guys, I was still working in the practice. And Joe was talking about... um, about IT related things. And he, in his session, he had a picture of uh, a clinic that he was working with and he had before and after pictures of what their IT closet setup looked like. And I remember sitting in that session and I immediately was texting my practice owners from your session, Joe. And I was like, we need to hire this guy. His This is amazing. Like our, it, our, our attic looks like the rat's nest before picture he showed. And now I want it to look like the after pictures. Right. Um, and you and I, you and I, I came up to you afterwards and I remember telling you, hey, I would love to talk to you and pick your brain. Uh, and I have really enjoyed our conversations ever since then. So welcome to the podcast. Yeah, I, mean, I think I remember too. I think I was exposing that, you know, IDEX123 uh, was the password and yeah. And, um, <laughs> yes. yeah if, you're, if you're still using that password, that's that's. Uh, uh, I just have a clinic right now. I'm working with out of Houston. I'm like, let me guess. Your password's this. I'm like, how'd you know? I'm like, because well, <laughs> that's everybody's password. <laughs> so, um, before we get into it a little bit, because I have a very specific question that I sent you an email about recently, because I was talking to some fellow managers in. Right a manager group I'm in and I, I saw a post and I was like, oh my gosh, I, w- I want to talk about this with Joe. Tell us a little bit about you and IT Guru so that everybody gets to know you a little bit. Oh, sure. So IT Guru, we help uh, clinics and hospitals with their computers and networks, right? So think of us like a strategic partner uh, that we help, you know, there's all this technology out there and, and the demands uh, in the veterinary clinic, as we know, are even higher with short staff and such. And so we're just helping mm-hmm. clinics you know, pick solutions that help them become more productive, uh, more efficient, more effective, mm-hmm. work smarter versus harder. 
And then just make sure that it's really riding on the on the proper platform, or in this case, foundation, like a foundation of a house. You got to have that foundation in place, proper foundation before you just build anything on top of it. So that's where we're very foundational, very proactive. Um, but we help them with, you know, all their, all, you know, all their, all their IT needs and picking and selecting, you know, solutions that, that integrate well with veterinary practices. I, I love it. You guys, one of the things that I, I love about uh, talking to Joe is that from the very first time I heard you talking about IT stuff, IT stuff can be tricky. Like I have the computer minded brain. I've always been the IT troubleshooter at my practice, but for a lot of people, it gets really complicated really fast. And one of the things that I love about you and your team, Joe, is that you really make the complex themes seem not overwhelming. And I never walk away from a conversation with you guys feeling like I've done something wrong, which is not the case a lot of time when it comes to IT. Like we're looking at it and we're like, oh gosh, I've been doing everything wrong for so long yeah, we just feel like everything right but the, the standards are changing right so yeah. as we go year from year to year so there are new standards in 2022 which you know you know in our opinion everybody should be aligned to but you know the reality is they're not and we gotta yep. get them right but you know so we're seeing you know even if you get to standards that are say 2018 2020 standards it's better than being on the 20, you know, 14 to 2016 standards. So it's just, right. a, it's just a move and shift the mind frame of, uh, we get it, you know, a little bit behind the times on, on the technology curve, COVID really drove us into that. And I think we're, we're starting yeah. to pick up steam around that, but yeah, um, there are a lot of changes around, around these uh, security standards, uh, stability standards that you want to really, really start getting uh, an understanding around that maybe doesn't really you know, fall in the lap of a practice manager anymore, right? That, that you know, of their, of their main responsibility. It, it's hard for those practice managers. They're, right. they're doing so much today. And it was, you know, back in 2013, 2014. Yeah, they could, they, they can, you know, and I know some really, really sharp uh, practice managers through BHMA. They're, they're maintaining it on their own. Um, but for the majority, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's tough to do all, all on your own for sure. You need help. Yeah. Well, and I think COVID really, I think you had a great point that COVID drove a lot of our practices to using technologies and mm-hmm. using um, information in ways that we never had before, both in terms of using it, but also accessing information from clients, right? Mm-hmm. And so that was actually why I reached out to you because I was in uh, one of the manager forums and uh, having a conversation with a fellow manager and they were um, asking for some help from the group and they were like, hey, my team... Uh, they were in Avmark practice and they were talking about something else completely. But one of the things that caught my eye was that they said, well, in our client area in Avmark, we are, uh, we are putting the client credit card and driver's license information because when I came to the practice, I found, uh, you know, a set of note cards in the filing cabinet where they were literally handwriting client information. And so I want to get it into Avmark so that we don't have handwritten credit card information uh, laying around. And I was just like, oh man. (laughs) And I remember immediately sending you an email because I was like, oh, it drives me crazy how few people understand the huge liability that we take on ourselves when we don't understand the risks when it comes to protecting our client information. Um, so that was kind of what I wanted to talk to you a little bit about today, that that case specifically, but also just in general, you've seen a lot of a lot of crazy things and your team sees things repeatedly when it comes mm-hmm. to information security. And so I thought we could kind of talk about that a little bit. So 
Um, tell me, tell, you've got to have seen some crazy things uh, in terms of bad information security and practices that are happening kind of regularly in the industry. What are some of the things that you guys see repeatedly that practices are doing that are really risky that they may not realize are risky? I think number one is the password on the monitor, right? I mean, it's it's right there on the monitor. So, you know, um, there are crew and cleaning <laughs> crews that come in. There can be people that can get into the environment sure. and, and get physical access. Let's not give them, you know, that 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 much ease access. There's stories of you know cleaning crew logging in and and using the credentials that are right on the right on the monitor. You're you're getting you're they're getting to the system. So we don't want to see that, right? Uh, but you know, we were everything you were referencing in the very beginning there of 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 confidential client information. Let's let's just call it payment information. That all falls underneath what's called yeah. PCI, right? That's the payment card industry um, data security standard. So. An acronym for that is PCI DSS. So every every business is under this standard. Okay, if you take yeah. credit cards or you're getting any financial information, you know whether it be over the phone or, or whatnot, online, etc., you fall underneath, you know, becoming PCI compliant. So there's a compliance here that many folks don't understand. Sometimes there's even these questionnaires that go out, and uh, you have to be able to answer yes to those questions. If you answer yes and you're not actually doing them and then something happens, you're going to be held on the hook. The credit card is going to wash mm-hmm. their hand. The credit card company is going to wash their hand and say, we didn't cause this, you caused this, you get to pay for this, not us. So right. no falls underneath yeah. that, that PCI for sure. We, we just call it PCI. So even written, like you were saying, you know, even having a handwritten note still falls under PCI. I mean, it's just that's... you Right. You, you're not supposed to have it. I remember when I started in practice, right? We thought we were doing one better by starting to ask clients to sign a waiver, right? Like I'm okay with leaving you my credit card info because we thought, well, at least that way we're getting permission versus just the post-it notes that had somebody's right. credit card information written on it. But it, I think it really, to your point, it really is one of those cases where we don't always know what we don't know. And right. I remember mm-hmm. finding out for the for the very first time about PCI compliance the hard way because we had had a client's card and we had, they had, someone else had brought the pet in and we had run some charges and they reported a charge back to their credit card because they were like, I didn't give permission for this. And we thought, well, we had, you had given us your credit card to have on file and we thought this was an appropriate situation to use it. And my team and I learned the hard way because the bank was like, no, we're not responsible for this charge. Like this was not this right. was not, this was hand processed. You didn't have permission. None of these boxes were checked. And so we wound up not only having to pay for it and have it come out of our profit, but have to pay the fees associated with uh, that charge back. And so I think practices learn about some of that stuff the, the hard way, but we, we really do, I think are doing it with good intentions, right? right? And some of us are even doing it like, oh, well, if I get their written permission or if I get them to sign off on it, it must meet the the standards, right? And I think that's what's so interesting. And I would love for you to share a little bit more about some of those things that not only practices should think about in terms of getting some education to understand what their role is, but also the hard part is where do we find that kind of information? That's the part that often as a manager feels so overwhelming to me. Like you're a company like yours that does IT services, it makes sense that you guys would know all of that kind of information. But if mm-hmm. I'm a practice manager, where do I even start with trying to educate myself on stuff like that? Yeah, you always start with your payment processor, right? That's always the best route to go. They're going to they're gonna educate you quite a bit around, you know, um, around that because they they themselves will even tell you that you have to become PCI compliant or, you know, even though you're using, say, a 
credit card terminal that is tokenized, right? That encrypts. That what that means is mm-hmm. it's it encrypts. You know, um, so PCI compliance really comes down to making sure everything that is stored, transmitted, um, is is done so in a in a secure fashion, right? So encryption is is mm-hmm. key there. So back to say mm-hmm. Avamark, and you're putting into an open text file, you know, a, a, a field inside that database. That database is not encrypted. Okay, so that that field is not mm-hmm. encrypted. So certain practice management systems. Nowadays, like the web-based ones that are coming out, the the, the web-based PIMs, um, if they're storing sure. credit card information in there, yeah, they they know on the back end that what it has to comply to from a PCI compliance aspect, right? So you can store that information with a provider that uh, you know allows you to kind of. So we we have like an online payment portal as well, right? So we never get to touch. We ne- we never touch our clients' credit cards anymore. We we they mm-hmm. have to put it all in there, and it all stays uh, within a you know, completely PCI uh, uh, compliant platform that they're they're maintaining. But you still, I still have to go through the questionnaires. I still have to, you know, answer, you know, everything that goes with with that outside of that network, right? Because, um, you know, it's, 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 there's a quite, quite a bit to it. And it really comes down to, you know, there's, there's certain PCI, you know, controls that you have to have in place. And the, and the number one is building and maintaining a secure network. So, you have to have that in play, right? So that's that's big. And we and when we say that, you know, it has to you have to have that proper firewall, which we don't typically see. That's that, you know, this is that device that kind of protects everything coming in and out. Um, and then you have to have really, you know, you know, and like all your default system passwords for all your gear on your network have to be changed. I mean, that's that's a requirement. That's a requirement now. So you know, I'm doing an assessment right now. And I'm, I swear, I, I, I hopped on the server. There's a switch that's online. I go to the web interface and switch. It's just a, you know, a web login that I can get to. And it's, a, uh-huh. in this case, a Netgear switch. So all I do is I look up that model, default password, Google it, bam, there it is. Pasted it in, bam. I'm sure in. enough. I'm, I'm all the way in. I'm, you know, and that's how the bad guys, you know, that's how the bad actors are also doing this as well. So. Sure. Well, and that makes sense to me, right? And I, when I think about it from the practices perspective, and I, and you, one of the things that I I love about how you approach IT, um, and in the conversations that I've had with you is, practice managers are again, and practice owners, like they are busy, and this is usually an area where we acknowledge what we don't know, what we don't know, mm-hmm. and so we're like, I don't, I don't understand how any of this works. I'm literally going to plug the thing in, and if I change the password. And then I ask you to deal with it. Uh, that seems messier than just leaving the password the way that it is, right? So it's coming from a place of good intention. And they're right. thinking, this will make it easier for somebody else to help me down the line. Right. But the, for, for, your, for your point and your perspective, the minute that that gets plugged in, then the clinic becomes at risk just as much if they have the password written on the monitor or the mm-hmm. bottom of the router right. as... As if someone like you who has some experience and some knowledge knows to just say, well, what, what model is this? Let me just Google it. And I have a, you know, hot yeah. chance of finding out the yeah. default password. Mm-hmm. Bam. So it's really, you know, that <laughs> there, there's a lot to that. And there's a lot, there's a lot going on in segmentation now that has to happen in clinics and hospitals. So we see a lot of clinics and hospitals just, we call it just one big flat network. You know, you have that thing in the back and that all the cables are plugged into, that's your switch, right? So, okay. and so everything can see everything, right? So your, your okay. Amazon Alexa and your Sonos or your Sonos music system or your voice over IP phones or your, 
you know, your, your IP enabled cameras, um, you know, yep. whatever it is, Google smart, whatever they call it, you know, it's, it's, it's all connected to the same network, right? So sure. we're, we're promoting and we're as new standards are, you know, for 2022 is really, that all has to be segmented. segmented. So we want our phones over here that don't, you know, over on this, you know, in this little segment of the network that doesn't necessarily have to talk to anything else in the clinic, right? So does Amazon Alexa really have to interact with your Avamark database? No, it doesn't, right? So it's proper segmentation of these devices or these smart devices, you know, and, and uh, um, you know, it's internet of things is what it's really called, right? That's what we're getting to. We're getting to this, everything. Can sure. Touch, you know? And we're talking about even from a worker's phone, like a private, you know, like a, one of the staff's private personal phone. Should that be on the private network of the clinic? No, it should be on like a public network. But that, that public network is completely, everybody that attaches that public network is completely isolated from each other. So they can't see each other. You're in a bubble or think of it like a, sure. a swimming pool in a, in, a, in a, you know, if you vision a swimming pool, you know, you don't get the whole pool to play in, right? You just get a lap lane, but think of it even, even worse. Like you can't see what's going on in any other lap lanes besides what's in your lap lane. So that's really Got what he is getting to is that we have to really segment and it's really important. And that's a, um, you know, we, we are working with more and more clinics, you know, like these, you know, even printing, segmenting printing, right? So printing on its own segment, you know, voice over IP on its own segment. So segmentation is key there so that we're allowing the only access that needs to be allowed between. So if you have a, you know, say you do have an on-prem, you know, phone system and it's like, well, I need the access because I, I, we, we get recordings. Well, that's okay. But that's the only thing allowed over to that system is to get into the recording. Right. And a lot of sure. these camera systems are exposed to the internet, right, as well. And so, and they're right. sitting on the same network. Because you want to have, yeah, because you want to have access to it when you're not there. So right. that, you know, the clinic is thinking about it from that perspective. Like, I need it to connect because I need to be able to see it from my phone when I'm at home. Because otherwise, right. what good does it do if it's, you Correct. know, recording? Agreed. Agreed. But, yeah. but if somebody gets into that and say, let's not quite, you know, it was when somebody gets into that, what are they really going to have access to? Well, they maybe they only have access to the that system, but they can't. Sure. It, it can't bleed over into your other other systems. Like, oh, now they have access to all your shares, all your information, and maybe even your your Avmark database. Where then they actually have access to the information inside that database, right? Like now they have credit card numbers. Yeah. Well, and and the it's not a it's not a far reach when you think about it. If you have somebody who can get into your network. And they can access your video cameras to to illustrate your point. If they're seeing your video cameras and your practice has, I will raise my hand, uh, guilty as charged. I'm picturing the monitor in my head at my front desk as someone new was training and they were just like, I cannot remember the password and wrote it. And it was posted literally at the front of top of the monitor. And if someone can access your video cameras and now they're looking at your front desk, they're seeing the password. And to your point, if everything is on that same network and they have access to the passwords, they can get in and just type in the password and start accessing more and more information, right? And and I think we think that something like that is far-fetched and it's not going to happen to to us. But you and I uh, both know that it happens to clinics constantly, maybe not to that degree that, that someone hacks in. Maybe it's more likely that someone you know, within the clinic or someone who has access to the building, you know, accesses some of 
some of their information. But, um, you know, you and I connected a few years ago uh, over, I was working in a clinic and we had, we actually did have um, some challenges with outside coming in and we got a virus that filtrated through uh, a few practices that uh, I was working with. And we, our servers went down and we were down for weeks. We couldn't access any of our information. We had no access to Avmark. We, all of the systems were affected because it, uh, you know, it was virus-based. So once it got in, it started spreading and then other things were affected. Um, and it was catastrophic in a lot of ways for uh, a lot of the practices that were, that were affected. And it's one of those things where I've always been comfortable with computers and I, um, I've always, uh, I like technology and I like getting nerdy, right? So it doesn't surprise me. And I have a lot of colleagues who don't like technology and who are the ones who are like, you know, I got this email and I opened this file and I'm just like, oh, please don't open. Like, who is it from? What is happening? Right. right? And so I think that's the hard part about veterinary medicine is that we have a lot of practice owners and a lot of practice managers um, and people in general who are learning new technologies for the first mm -hmm. time. And I think I really believe that this is one of those times where we should be okay with not knowing what we don't know and play to our strengths and say, if we don't understand the technology, and but we're using it, we have a duty to get somebody on our team to help us understand that technology and make sure that we are playing it safe. Because I will tell you, I mean, I think from the, when it first happened, I have uh, I have colleagues at another local practice who were who were affected um, by our server outage, who were still uh, reconstructing files and having challenges in it like six months later. Right. Like it took them six months to rebuild. They had to get a brand new server. Even then, there was challenges. Like I mean, imagine we freak out if we lose power in the clinic for a right. couple hours on a stormy afternoon. Imagine if you're faced with six months of not being able to access your Avmark files or your patient charts, trying to remember, well, this pet was here six months ago and I have no idea what their blood work was, right? Like that's utter pandemonium. It's gonna, it, it just, it just wreaks havoc on your productivity, right? And you can't do that right now. Hey, Stephanie Goss, you got a second to talk about Guardian Vets? Yeah, what do you want to talk about? Man, I, uh, I hear from people all the time that are overwhelmed because the phones never stop ringing. Yes. Um, and I'm sure you, you hear from these people as well. You know, like our caseload is blowing up and the doctors are busy and uh, the phones just don't stop. They never stop. <laughs> that is a true story. I'm amazed by how, uh, how few veterinarians know about Guardian Vets. This is a service where you have uh, registered technicians uh, who can jump in virtually and help you on the phones. You can flip the switch and uh, Guardian Vets can jump in and take some of the load off the front desk and they can handle your clients and get them booked for your appointments and give them support. And it really is a godsend. Pre-pandemic, it was amazing to me how many people hadn't heard about it for after hours call help. But at this point, I can't believe how many people don't realize that they are offering help during the daytime as well, which I would think right now is a huge benefit to practices because everybody is shorthanded. Everybody is drowning in phone calls. And so we talk about it. We've talked about Guardian Vets a lot on the podcast. And every time we do, we always get somebody who says, what is that? <laughs> Guys, if you're not familiar with Guardian Vets, if you think that you could use some help on the, uh, on the 
phones or up the front desk. Check them out. It's guardianvets.com. And uh, if you mention our podcast, me and Stephanie Goss, uh, you get a month free. So check it out, guardianvets.com. Hey, everybody, it's Stephanie, and I want to jump in here for just one quick second and make sure that you know about a workshop that's coming up from the Uncharted community that you are not going to want to miss. Now, you might not be the person who's in charge of marketing for your practice. If not, write this down and pass it along because we are being joined by none other than the Bill Schroeder from InTouch Practice Communications. Bill is amazing. He is wonderful. He is funny. He is kind and down to earth. And he loves nothing more than working with veterinary practices and cheering them on about digital marketing. And Bill is joining us on Wednesday, June 8th from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern, which is 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific. And he is talking about creating content that clients crave. He is going to teach us how to explore contents that are the most valuable uh, and that have a huge impact and talk about proven methods for great content development. Bill did this workshop for us live in person previously. And I said, hey, Bill, I would love for you to bring this to the Uncharted community, but also to veterinary medicine and beyond. And he is doing just that on Wednesday, June 8th. If you would like to find out about this and all of the upcoming events from Uncharted, head on over to the website at unchartedvet.com forward slash events, and you'll be able to find all of the things that are coming that you are not going to want to miss. Now back to the podcast. We know the trends. We understand it's hard to find staff. We understand this, you know, this new term out there is the great recession, right? The great resignation, mm-hmm. right? Of everything that's happening. People you know, getting burned out, um, you know, changing careers, all this kind of stuff. So you, every, every business is trying to do more with less right now, which, you know, is, is hard. So we, we have to hold this thing together technology wise so that you're, you're never in that down situation. Right. So there's, there's a whole prevent model that gets you there. Right. And it's not one thing that will protect your practice. Right. There's, there's just, you know, there's not just one thing that does it. So these PCI compliance and, and, and really, you know, there's now more and more clinics are, are coming to us and say, hey, we're thinking about cyber insurance, right? We're hearing about these clinics getting ran. The, the experience you went through ransomware. is called ransomware, right? So it's malware. Um, it's different than a virus, right? It's virus is signature based and it can be stopped by virus, virus, uh, antivirus software. But that's not what we're blocking anymore, right? So we're, 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 we're blocking, you know, malware and, and, and rogue detection and, and just bad actors, okay, people that get a foothold. So they get a foothold by phishing you, right? And with a with a link and then it installs a small piece of software on a computer that gives them back in controls, right? Now they're in, now they have a foothold and now they're doing the traversal, right? Now they're now they're looking, okay, how can I laterally move throughout this network and then strategically, you know, position a complete attack so it shuts everything down on you and you're held uh Held with a, a, a ransom bill that says, "Hey, you know, pay us, you know, eight, ten thousand dollars, and we'll give your information back, or mm-hmm. you know, good luck." Right. Um, number one thing with that is, you know, so you you have to understand, you have to have visibility of what what you have today, and make sure that you you have the right prevention techniques in, and that's a layered approach. So that includes firewall, antivirus, web filtering, patching of the computers, like Microsoft patching. Third-party application patching like uh, Java, Adobe, Flash, all the all the third-party apps and such that that go with that, right? So that's kind of that prevent. And then it really gets you know when I say antivirus, it's really what we're considering. It's called next-gen AV, okay? Or it's it's 
and I'm, I'm going to get technical here, but it's called EDR solution, a, 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 you know, endpoint detection that responds. So the easiest way to think about this is that a clinic or hospital today, they lock their windows, lock their doors, you know, at least when they go home, right? Nobody's leaving the clinic unlocked uh-huh. at night, right? Right. Hope, yeah. Right? So sure. Yeah. Most clinics, though, they have, you know, camera systems and even alarm systems that give them insight of what's happening in that practice, right? So the alarm system right. is there, say, like through, you know, big popular ones like ADP, right? ADP alarm system. Sure. Motion goes off. Somebody, you know, walking through the clinic that should be walking through that clinic. It's going to set off an alarm and, 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 and get the authorities involved that need to get involved to go find out what's happening. That's, that's what EDR is. So now that we have, we got to have an understanding where you're at today. We got to make sure you have the prevention pieces that are in place. But now we have to have a way to detect and respond if that bad actor gets in. So it's just that, right. that alarm system. So, you know, the, the, the good EDR solutions are going to have things like, well, that's, you know, and, and the ones that are being made are being uh, obviously made by the, uh, you know, ex-NSA folks, right? They're the ones that kind of put us in this situation, to be honest with you. And then, but there's, sure. we've got great relationships with these folks about how to really, you know, what, what are the methods really used to start doing that? So then now it's not signature based anymore, but it's, it's strange behavior that's happening, you know, and, and again, technically it's like, well, it loaded the script and it, it accessed and it's testing, you know, its rights. And then, and it also downloaded this weird network scan tool. Like why would a doctor want a network scan tool on their, on their, on their PC? They wouldn't, right? So that's the alarm. Bam, something's wrong. And, you know, now we got something to do. So in, so instead of being like uh, the motion sensor alarm, right, physically mm-hmm. at the clinic, and you think about if somebody walks into your building, it's going to trip the motion sensor, right? Mm-hmm. The the EDR technology is looking for those things that would be like motion in your practice, but on a information technology level, like has has something out of the ordinary been installed? Is there mm-hmm. some new script that's running in the background that just looks out, you know, looks weird. And then when something like that does pop up, then it triggers that that alarm, right? So that right. somebody who, whether it's the program that you're using, or if you use a, you know, a company, and, and you guys, you know, do do something like this, you have the ability to help practices monitor that kind of stuff. But it triggers that alarm so that mm-hmm. somebody says, hey, you should look at this because this is not normal. Am I am I understanding yeah. that right? So it's just like an ADP. It goes to an alarm company, and they they you know so the same thing mm-hmm. here. It goes to a SOC. They call it a Security Operations Center. They review it, look at it. And if they if they really feel that something bad's happening, then there's they get a switch click of a button. They can isolate that computer uh, so it can't touch anything. It can't talk to anything else. It's just now now it's back into like that lap lane that we had talked about. It can, you know, check uh-huh. in and, and, and see what's happening. Um, so we've seen things, you know, get caught, like somebody opened up, uh, you know, like a, a Microsoft uh, attachment. That's, they were back to macros, right. if you believe it or not. I mean, macros right. were uh, old school ways to get, you know, ways to hack. But, you know, it, you know, there's macros that can fire and, and prompt like it's, you know, trying to log into your Office 365 account. You put your credentials in, bam, now they have your credentials, right? Now they have your email. And then, yeah. you know, now, now, yeah. but in, in the meantime, it's running, you know, but, but boom, we want to get it, you know, we want to isolate that machine so it can't, you know, it can talk to, it can talk back to the secure server, but that's it until we get it iced, until we get it cleaned up. And first of all, understood, detection and that response is part of understand what's really happened here, 
how this initiate, how this happened, but stop it in its track before it becomes full blown. So one system down in the clinic yeah. is much better than 25 systems down in the clinic, right? Yeah, absolutely. I I would way rather have one piece of it out for a while than right. the whole the whole thing. Cause let me tell you guys, I <laughs> it rough. was pay it was painful. It was so painful. And um, you know, even even prior to like that was probably the the worst thing. But I remember a few years before that, my practice, uh also we were using Avmark and um we actually had a system for making backups, which is another common source of challenge for practices, I think, from an IT perspective, right? There are a lot of practices. We know that we probably should be backing up our data. I think a lot of us do, but there's a lot of people who don't know that that is something that is your responsibility. And I was in a practice where we we did. We had a process every night. Someone would literally sit there with the the tape in the server mm-hmm. and run the backup through Offmark, Right. Um, and we came across a challenge. And when we went to, we had a problem with our Avmark data and the Avmark team was great and we're supporting us. And they're like, we need to, you know, go back to the previous version. And when we went to open it, it didn't work. Right. So we had to go back. And as it turns out, we were, had been having problems and we didn't realize it because we weren't testing the information regularly. Right. And we wound up having to go back to two or three weeks before we found a version that could be restored. Right. And we had lost three weeks worth of patient visits and chart right. notes and charges and changes. And I will tell you guys, it's it's one of those, it, it seemed so small, but I mean, again, it took us probably six months to catch up from three weeks being right. set back three weeks worth of work. Because right. think about how many things that we do all day in the practice that involve our computer systems. I mean, we're putting right. stuff into your PIMS all day long, patient notes, schedule notes, chart notes, charges, all of those things. And now all of a sudden you have to recreate three weeks worth of that while you're still trying to see patients all day long and manage the workflow that's still coming in the door. Um, and I think a lot of us just don't don't think about those things because we love animals and we went to, vet, you know, our vets went to vet school to be vets, not to be computer people. And so um, I hear that and I hear it a lot. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you was because I think it's time for us to acknowledge, okay, we don't have to be computer people but that doesn't give us the right to stick our heads in the sand and 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 just ig- ignore it and pretend like it's not happening because we have moved into the current millennia in terms of technology and we're utilizing stuff left and right. And it is our job mm-hmm. to protect not only our businesses and ourselves if we're practice owners or practice managers, but also to protect the information that clients are sharing with us. That is legally and policy-wise, you know, PCI is a great example of that a duty that we have signed away mm-hmm. when we accept credit cards at our practice saying we are going to protect and uphold this uh, information safety. And that responsibility gets taken seriously at some point, uh, whether we want it to be or not. <laughs> so yeah, after, after, you know, so you got the awareness of what you have, the, you know, prevention, detection, response, there's always recovery. Okay. So we, we want to move away from the word backups. Backups are, is singularity, and, it's, and it typically means just you're backing up a subset of data, right? You know, okay, do you have backups of your pictures, right? You know, do you have backups? You know, sure. But we, what, we, what we really want to... Yeah, like my iPhone makes the backup to the cloud, right? Like that, I think that people get that. Yeah, so it's, 
and it's automated, right? You know that it's you know, so you have that iCloud, but so do I, right? So I love it. You know, I had to increase it because I'm using more and more space, whatever. But I want that because I want to make sure I'm, <laughs> I'm um, uh, right. you know, I can always recover because I have a lot of information on there. Yeah. Uh, the and I, I never want to go through a whole setup of my all re-download all my apps and stuff. It'd be a nightmare. But yeah, yeah it's called business continuity and disaster recovery. Okay, so there, you need a business continuity plan, right? And, but you have to have disaster recovery. So just like fire, flood, tornadoes, earthquakes, hurricanes, we can't prevent those, okay? We, we're not gonna prevent a natural catastrophe. It's, it's, it's literally impossible. It, it, you know, it's, it's extremely, extremely difficult, right? So, um, you know, that, that, but you have to be prepared for that. You have to be prepared for the worst case scenario. And that, that includes today, that someone, a bad actor gets in and, and, and then spreads its ransomware to every single machine that takes you, takes you down, right? But how are you going to recover from that, right? So, so really the question really comes down to two, two simple things that you need to be asking your IT folks, if you're working with, with folks is, you know, what's my RPO and RTO we call it? So real-time protection option. How often are we backing up throughout the day? That's, that's a number you should know, right? So we recommend hourly. That's that's where you should be hourly at least, um, you know. You know that we see mostly people every twenty four hours, but that means worst case scenario, yeah, you're rolling back a full day's worth of work, maybe two days if if that, or maybe three weeks if that backup wasn't running, right? So yeah, so RPO real time protection, and so ask that question: How often are we backing up? And it, and it needs to be periodically throughout the day because more and more clinics are paper light, you know, and and you know you mm-hmm. utilize this technology and. And so then number two is how quickly can we get back up and running should a failure occur, right? That's, that's really important. Sure. And that's one that, that no one really asks, right? Until it hits. Mm-hmm. And that's not the time when your house, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's not, not time to deal with fire when your house is on fire, right? We want to know before that, right. right? So we, so it, you know, so most cases, and there's technology out there that does that. Um, and, and so it backs up every hour and offsite replicates every hour. Uh, it can, you know, spin up every night a um, a test to make sure it works properly and it alerts you if it's not working properly. Uh, but it can also act as like a lifeboat, we call it. So say your server gets hit and it comes completely wiped out. And we, we actually have a clinic running on our lifeboat right now as we speak on the East Coast out of North Carolina. So their server in this particular case wasn't a hack or anything. It was just servers, the age of the equipment was old. Uh, we rebooted it. it. It didn't want to come back online. So we we and we note the uh, the disaster recovery plan. You know, hour later, bam. You know, less than an hour, we had them up and running. Emergency gone. They're seeing patients, and they've been running for a good twenty five days on it. Right. So uh, I think this week, yeah. That Jeff week, was, can we just can we just stop for a second and think about that? Because I, you know, I'm going to date myself here and tell you all how old I am. But when I started in veterinary medicine, it was literally like you ordered a server from Dell and it would take three weeks for it to show up in your clinic. And then once it got there, you had to wait for your IT people locally to come out and plug everything back in and set everything back up. And then you had to call Aftermark and get everything reinstalled. And you're talking about a four to six week process if your server goes down, but you just said that your server could go completely down and you have a practice back up and running within an hour. And not only that, but they can sustain that run. Yeah. That's crazy. You have to now because Dell servers are now averaging more around 45 to 60 days to get because of uh, of the whole uh, supply chain. I had one. It took six yeah. months. 
So, um, but oh yeah, yeah you, you can run it and sustain it on uh, like a lifeboat, right? And, and, and it's, a, it's an exact clone. Everything's there. It's the whole thing. It's just cloned so that, you know, there's no reinstallation Everything Everything's exactly the same, right? So server fails sure. and gets hacked or whatever. Um, you get put in place and then you get back up. So we just have this philosophy of never pay the ransom and with the right with the right solution. And this technology is not cutting edge, bleeding edge. This is stuff that's been around for now 10 years, right? So 10 years. So we've been riding this stuff, you know, ourselves for over eight years, right? So and and so this isn't cutting edge, bleeding edge type of type of stuff. And it's it's affordable, uh, but it's it's just one that many people don't know until they ask these questions because you really need to ask how quickly can we get back up and running should should a major issue occur. Know that number. So that was going to be my question is if um because this is super interesting to me. So if the technology has now been around for some time as we as you and I both know that it has, and it is not expensive, especially not in when you consider the grand scheme of loss of work and the labor that has to go into doing it yourself if your right. server goes down, right? We're talking about weeks to months of work. Like I said, it took us six months when you, and you factor in all my extra staff time and we worked mm-hmm. overtime at night, entering all, re-entering all of the data. Like that is a huge cost for practices. Why do you think more practices aren't being, aren't looking at this and investing in this kind of technology and this kind of support on an IT level? Like what is the, what is the barrier there? I think the barriers they don't know. So that's why that's why it goes back to that first, but you have to know. So maybe you're not in charge of it anymore of implementing it as a practice manager, because you know, maybe it's a, you know, maybe it's outside your skill set to be able to really handle as a practice manager, right? There's you know, mm-hmm. you have but you have to be in charge of it. So, you know, we, we have this philosophy that somebody has to be, you know, responsible for it, right? But but you can ask mm-hmm. or partner with folks that are that are that are responsible for implementing and ensuring that that that's in place. But mm-hmm. the number one reason is they don't really know the risk that they're in. Okay, so you really have to understand that first. So if if no one's giving you insight of of say to your technology lifecycle management, like how old machines are, what do you have, reports that are showing you, you know, uh, a, a clean, concise, you know, centralized report of all activity around your 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 next gen AV solution, showing you everything that's been caught, was caught, was isolated. You know, from the web protection piece, because I mean, that's you know, that's the number one conversation we're having right now with folks is, you know, phishing. Right, phishing is on the rise. I mean, it's the number one thing yeah, that we're yeah. seeing in our security reports. So, we're you know, you need to be given reports so you gives you insight so you can make the decisions. If you're not getting that information, you can't make that decision. That's I think that's the number one reason. Uh, it's just they don't know what they don't know. So if you if if you're a practice manager or a practice owner who's listening to this and going, I don't like I don't even know where to start. You talked about two things that every practices should uh, be able to understand and know. And if they don't, they need to ask their their IT person, which is the the tell us again that our the response time. Yeah, RPO, real time protection option, and the RTO. The and so it just goes in. How, you know, how often are we backing up and and then how quickly can we get back up and running? Yeah. So those are the two questions. Okay. Besides those two things. Yeah. yeah. What are, what are some of the things that they should, that they should know? Yeah. Well, they need to, they need to, you know, they need to look at status reports, right? Uh, security level reports, just things that, that are in place. And then, so 
whoever you're working with should be working with something that's centrally controlled and be able to report to you what activity that is catching or, or preventing, right? So, so all those reports help you. Um, and then that regular backup, you know, the, so yeah, look at those reports and, and understand if there have been any problems. And so that holds, you know, by asking for the reports, it's kind of holding the people that are responsible for, you know, that for, for protecting you or assisting you, it holds them to that level sure. of uh, making sure that they can, they can provide it to you, but more importantly, can they explain it to you in a, in a, in an easily explained manner. In English. Right, right in English, <laughs> instead of geek speak, right? In simple, and so, yep, uh-huh, in simple well, English. <laughs> and be honest and say, well, 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 I don't understand, re-explain that. So there are many times that, you know, I, I have conversations, if I ever talk too technical, just let me know, and I'll, I'll try to bring it down to more of layman's terms, because, you know, but yeah, the regular assessments and reporting on the data backup strategy, you know, making sure those managed data, you know, offsite replications occurring, you know, the the, the security and what what is what's what's in place, what's being caught, what are the trends, what's happening. So again, like the number one conversation we're having right now from our web security piece is that we're catching people clicking on something, but our web security is preventing it from from getting the payload. Does that make sense? So. Because yeah, sure. So somebody's email. accidentally clicking and they're not realizing. Yeah. Right. So then now we have a conversation around, we need to really look at your email controls here, right? And we need to really control that centrally. So maybe in this particular case, I'll be honest, this clinic that we were showing these reports to, everybody uses personal email still, you know, Gmail, AOL, Hotmail, Yahoo. It's like, let's sure. use your domain name. Let's get everything in. Let's put the proper you know, spam protection, phishing protection. And then we're also going to be adding a little bit of, a, you know, another layer and that is, you know, ethical phishing here is that we'll try to fish you ourselves. And if somebody gets caught, we'll provide them training to why. And so that we can help you, we can help you stop this so it doesn't become a become an issue because we're preventing it. That's great. But, you know, um, you know, it, it, there may be something that could slip through, right? But we have other layers to yeah. help from the slip throughs, but this is an area of concern. So yeah, just, again, getting the data, getting it understood, looking at those reports and and, and making informed decisions now. You know, yeah. it, you're making truly informed decisions around IT security in that case, because you you now have the power of, 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 of proper information, right? That's, that's what's key here, the proper information, insight. Yeah. I I love it, and I I think I think about it in terms of of like um, I, I always ask our IT person, can you explain it to me like I'm my ten year old, mm-hmm. like right. ta- just to talk to ta- talk to me at that level, like I need I need to understand it, and I think that's one of the the things that I always tell my manager friends is like don't don't be afraid, don't don't mm-hmm. worry about feeling dumb because people no. who who speak a geek speak, who went to, you know, who, who have that background. Like, it's just like us when we start talking in veterinary terms, sometimes we find ourselves talking with clients and we start throwing around the jargon and the big words and clients are looking at us and it's just going right over their head. That's the same for us when we work with IT people, because we didn't go to, we didn't go to computer science school. We didn't, you know, we didn't take programming. We don't understand the language that's being used. You you really truly are talking about two different languages. And so I think I, I tell my colleagues all the time, like, there's nothing wrong with saying, this is not my job. I don't understand how to do this. I need you to translate and talk to me in basic, uh, you know, basic layman's terms, because I really do want to understand it. And I think that that's 
one of the best things that we could do for ourselves is to just say, it's okay to know what we don't know. It right. doesn't, it doesn't absolve us from the, really the need to, to figure it out because right. ignorance uh, will only carry us so far. But, you know, when we get hacked and our server is down for four months, like I don't want to be in the boat of feeling then really crappy that I didn't know what I didn't know, you know? Yeah, that's not the time to have that kind of time to have those conversations ahead of time. And then, yeah, I agree. I, there yeah. are so many things. I mean, like, I'm, I'm even, you know, I just was at an IT conference because we stay up in professional development and what's, you know, kind of, you know, trends and what we're seeing. And even some sure. of those folks, you know, my peers, right? And, and my, you know, they, they'll talk over me. I was like, I don't understand what you're saying. You need to, I'll, I'll say the same thing. Because <laughs> everything, they'll, they'll sneak some, you know, acronyms around. I'm like, I don't know. I, okay, you got to help me write things again. But, you know, it's okay. And you're right. You can't, you know, and then once you understand that, okay, okay, that oh yeah, okay, that makes sense now. But um, right, making informed decisions on what you have, right? Uh, you know, that's 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 what's key. So, and and assuring that you're aligning to some type of you know standards, right? So that's that's another big key that you really want to you really want to make sure that your IT folks you're working with they have some type of standard that they're shooting at, right? Whether that you know, so that's you know, in our case. Like, standard operating system like windows 10 right that's what we want we, we don't want to see windows 7 or xp for, you know and you can't see that you know windows 7 <laughs> bad xp worse but seven's just as bad but i mean you, you i'm, I'm laughing because i'm laughing because my practice was the practice with the computers still on xp right, right. And, you know it's that legacy system that you can't get them to retire they don't patch. Microsoft doesn't patch anymore. And you know what? The hackers know that. Right. They have the vulnerabilities right. out there. Yeah. So all it takes is you go, you know, your, your endpoint into that endpoint, right? Your endpoint, you know, so it's kind of strange. Like the new endpoint isn't the machine anymore. It's like what's running on the machine. So it's the browser is the, you know, so that browser is not even getting updated. So these hackers know that. Right. And then, so they know the vulnerabilities to get in. And so they, they it, you're low hanging fruit in that case. You're, you're easily picked off. Yeah. And so you, you don't want to be that low hanging fruit. You, you know, there is no 100 percent secure, yeah. but you, you, you just got to position yourself, you know, you know, way up there. There is again, there's no there's no 100 percent, but there's the majority of people out there are going to pick off the low hanging fruit ones. because It's a lot easier than than having to go go through, um, you know, you know, hoops and ladders and get to get where they need to go. You sure. Know, but, um, Sure. But yeah, that's, I mean, well, what we talk about today is really 2022 type of standards, right? Um, 2020 standards would be, you know, you know, you have to understand what you have. You have to understand the trends or what's happening and, you know, got to get insight and, and glean into that. that that's that's going to help you make the informed decisions. Well, and the whole reason I wanted to have this conversation with you was because I'm hoping that there are a lot of our listeners out there um, who are listening and actually going, I, I don't understand any of this, but I'm now a little nervous because I feel like my uh, my practice is I, like, I don't know what I don't know. And I'm hoping that people are like, now I, now I can educate and I would love to see us uh, as an industry as a whole, investing more time and energy into having some basic conversations because we can't give ourselves technology and tools and think about just how many things we've added technologies wise into the into our systems into our everyday lives mm -hmm. over the last two and a half years. 
if something goes wrong and all of that stops working overnight, think about how many of us would be in a panic. And that I, I, it's scary to think about, but I think it's really important as a, as a manager, as a leader, as a practice owner to think about, okay, this is a part where I, you know, raise my hand and say 1-800-PHONE-A-FRIEND because I don't, I don't understand this. So where do I start? So if we have people who are listening or who are feeling that panic and want to uh, reach out to you or who have questions about where can I find, where can I educate myself? How do I get more information about this? Where can people find you? Sure, just the web's easiest, right? ITGuru.vet. So ITGURU.vet. Perfect. So we're an IT company. All we do is focus on vet clinics and hospitals. So we have standards of care developed um, that will be aligned to the standards of care. One, you're going to have less issues. Two, when you have issues, we're going to be able to fix them uh, really quick. Um, there's uh, there's schedule a consult and contact us forms on our website. The schedule a uh, consult's the easiest way. It'll, it has a link directly to my calendar and allows you to book some time to just chat. Let's just take a 10, 15 minute chat. Let's understand you know, who you are, what type of practice you are, what your concerns are. And then from there, if it makes sense, we can do an IT assessment or a security assessment and uh, yeah, take it from there. So let's, you know, let's just chat, see, see what's, uh, you know, you know, what's, you know, what's keeping you up at night around this, if there's a certain thing, or if there's a certain problem that you've been through. Uh, that you never want to be through again, we can we can help you through that. But if we, you know, we're, we're helping clinics one at a time, just get them educated on what they have, right? And and that's yeah. the best thing. Once you once you have that information, think about, you know, it's like, you know, it's like diagnostic and labs, right? Now we can now give you the proper treatment plan, okay? Mm-hmm. So we got to do the diagnostic and labs. So. And that's one of the things that, that I love about chatting with you. And it'll, I promise you guys, it's, it's painless to have a conversation with Joe. Your whole team is fantastic. But I I think if you do nothing but get some more information out of the out of the conversation and, and figure out like where do you even where do you even start? Because I remember after you and I had the first conversation, I went back to my practice and I was super fired up after that VHMA and I was like, we need to look at overhauling our system. And my practice owners were like, no. And I was like, but but oh okay, but really we should think about this. They were like, we, we don't have we can't deal with this right now. Like we don't have time to look at all of this. But for me, it was eye-opening to to just start to think about where are we? And and that initial conversation with you gave me that that little bit of knowledge to say, okay, I need to educate myself more so that when I did a little bit more digging and I understood, I could point out very specific things that were at risk. And when I brought those to my practice owners and I said, hey, hey guys, uh, you know, we're, we're storing the client's credit card information in the, in the notes section in Avmark, and this is not encrypted. It is not password secured. We are also using credit card processor. We're bound by PCI compliance. And if a client, uh, you know, if we don't start storing the numbers through that and a client information gets out, then this is what the potential penalties would be. And I just had a conversation like that in one of our one-on-ones with them. And they were just like, we had no idea. Please sign us up, like fix it, like do whatever needs to get done, like get it, get it fixed. And it, it became, a, again, a path of least resistance. But we're not going to know what we don't what we don't know until we start the conversation. So um, if you're listening, you're like, I have no idea where to start, but I also am not sure that my practice owner is going to go all in on the idea of making radical changes. Or if you're a practice owner who's like, I can't possibly afford this, I think is worth having a conversation and just starting to get some basic knowledge and having a having a starting point. Yeah, so we, you know, everybody that's listening to this, just mention this call, right? We can, and we'll do this free at no cost, okay? No cost. No obligation to buy anything from me, okay? There's, yeah. 
it's 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 our you know, Joe is about it, educating. <laughs> it is. It's all about education, you know, and and we have to. We and that's and we're doing it one one practice at a time right now. It's yep. a lot of them, hundreds hundreds of them, right? And and so, um, but I you know I, I we're there to help you. And and I one thing I always promise folks is I'm not going to be that pesky sales guy that just. I, you know, I have, I have those guys that call me every single week that's trying to sell me <laughs> and I always see the number come up right. and I'm like, I'm, I'm not that, I'm not going to do that. So it's, it's, you know, Hey, yeah. here's what we found on the diagnostic and, and uh, labs, right? Here's proper treatment plan. Do you, you know, if it makes sense, let's do it. If it doesn't, you're not going to hurt our feelings, but you're going to walk away knowing everything about your specific environment that you need to, to make informed decisions on. So um, take advantage of that. Because it's uh, it's well worth it. I love it. Well worth it. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me today, Joe. This was uh, this was so so fun. I hope that it uh, feels helpful to those of you who are listening. Um, and we will drop the link to IT Guru in the show notes for all of you. Thank you so much for your time and for joining me today, Joe. I really I really had fun. No, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks, Stephanie. Take care, everybody. Have a great week. Well, everybody, that's a wrap on another episode of the podcast. Thanks so much for spending your time with us. We truly enjoy spending part of our week with you. As always, Andy and I enjoyed getting into this topic. Um, I have a tiny little favorite ask, actually two of them. One is if you can go to wherever you source your podcasts from and hit the review button and leave us a review. We love hearing your feedback and knowing what you think of the podcast. And number two, if you haven't already hit the subscribe button. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll see you soon.